I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And I'm JT Timmons. Back from the dead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the infrequent visitor. The Although, if you're watching visitor. on YouTube, uh, JT's not this short. Uh, what's going on with the chair? You look like so? a kindergartner. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty short, uh, but uh, uh, no, you're not. You're not that short. <laughs> You do look like a kindergarten. Yeah. Oh. It's like the table should not be at your armpits. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, He's, you know, honestly, it's good for my back. Let's get some phone books in here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we get an Apple box, please? There uh, you go. Production. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, welcome. <laughs> One day we're going to make a um, compilation of all the nonsense that we say at the beginning of these. But regardless, uh, welcome to that this new episode. But oh, yeah. uh, before we get into it, JT, would you like to hit us with some announcements? Yes, a couple quick announcements. Uh, wanted to thank our newest pair of junkies and welcome them to the pair of junkie fam. We got Postal Kitty, Patrick Young, and Claire Break or Breaky. All right. Thank y'all so much. And we really look forward to, uh, you know, giving you some really good, fun, exclusive content, early, early release content and Discords. meeting you mm. on Parajunkie Day 2023. That date will be uh, released here soon. We're planning it right now. Um, all right. Send in your ghost mail to ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. Or if you're old-fashioned, we do have a mailbox that you can send it to, which is on our website. So, a yeah, a mailbox. What is that? Like, a, <laughs> like, like what you send your mail to, like your physical letters. Your what? Uh, <laughs> he's joking, baby. Oh my god! Oh just, lord! Listen, y'all. Woo! <laughs> it has been a week. Leave me alone, please. Alrighty. Anyways, okay. okay well, regardless, if you are old school, you can send us physical papers or things like that. For sure, for sure. But uh, basically, ghost mail is your personal horror story, or like if you live in a small town and they have a local horror story, we oh, yeah, love sure. Love to read that yeah. too, you know. Local legends, local Lo- yeah. ghost stories. Anything we haven't heard of, or may- if we even, you know, Chris has heard of a lot. So maybe stuff we have heard of. Um, all right, big, big, big announcement. We kind of already announced it, but we're announcing it again, and we'll announce it all the way up until it happens. Then we'll announce it till uh, after it happens. Uh, two girls. One ghost, we are doing an episode with them. We are so, so excited to be doing that because they're awesome. And then also get your merch uh, at hauntedcitypodcast.com backslash shop. Yeah. All right, let's get started. All right. Ew, ew, ew. All right, so we've got ghost mail. We've got ghost mail. And the first story is from Rebecca Darth, who is a pair junkie. Thank you, Rebecca, for sending in your ghost mail. All right, here we go. Let's get started. Hello there. Huge fan of your podcast, and I'm incredibly excited to tell you all about my experiences. I've never got to relay this to professionals, so I'm 
Excited to hear your opinions and comments. To preface, I have two main stories, so let's dive right in. All nice. right. Here we go. Number one. To preface this event, my father was currently traveling for work, so it was just my mother, little sister, and I in the home. Also, my first ever experience may seem very familiar to a lot of people. As a child, and even into my teenage years, I've always hated the dark. It's always gave, uh, gave, it always gave me anxiety, and it had always felt like someone or something was lurking in the corner watching me. To help this, my parents had little nightlights around the house. One, so we can navigate the house at night, me. And two, my pediatrician told my mother it would help elevate my anxiety of the dark. Alleviate? Alleviate. Ooh, yep. I was like, this yep, is a yep. really <laughs> awful doctor. <laughs> that, that doctor is like, I, <laughs> I have a plan. Elevate it. <laughs> All right. The one night that stands out to me was when I was nine. I woke up with an immense amount of anxiety and easiness. So as any young kid would do, I went to go sleep with my mom. My parents' room was at the other end of our second floor hallway. They always slept with their door open as both my sister and I have made it a habit to want to sleep with them at night. But when I woke her up and asked if I can uh, sleep with her, because I just couldn't be alone in my own room. She said yes. She used, uh, she's used to it by now. However, in waking my mom up, it just so happened I also woke our family Yorkie up as well, and she started whining to go outside and pee. As I crawled into my parents' bed and wrapped myself up in the comforter, my mom took the dog down the steps and outside to pee. I remember turning to my left side and nuzzling closer to my parents' blanket. It felt warm and safe, and I shut my eyes to begin falling back to sleep. However, in all caps, within the matter of seconds of me shutting my eyes, I heard footsteps coming down the hall to my parents' room and then just stop right outside their open door. At first, the pit in my stomach was small. I was confused as to how fast my mom was taking the dog out, but also confused as to why she just stopped at the door. I called out to mom. Mom, I opened my eyes to peer over the comforter and I froze in terror. It wasn't my mother standing in the doorway, but a figure with a white face, no facial features, dressed in black. Whoa. Nice. All right. That's like immediately thought of Slender, Slender Man. Man. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I remember closing my eyes thinking, this isn't real. It's just my eyes playing tricks. But when I opened them again, the figure was still there. And I knew 100% it was there because adjacent to my parents' room was our second floor bathroom. And from where I was laying, I could typically see the nightlight plugged into the wall. The figure was completely solid. I could see the light illuminating the wall, but the entire light and honestly, re- and honestly restroom door was completely obstructed by this thing. I could feel my heart racing faster and faster, and all I wanted was my mom to hurry up and come upstairs and save me. But I'm not making this up. I felt like if I didn't do something quick, my mom wouldn't be able to save me. With quick thinking, I remembered my parents keep. Uh, I remembered my parents keep their TV remote in between their bed pillows. So I slowly start reaching my arm to the remote so I can turn the TV on and at least scare this thing or see it better. 
Once I felt the remote and got my hand in position and started clicking the power button, nothing. I remember thinking, okay, in the count of three, I will quickly sit up and point the remote at the TV and turn it on. Then I counted in my head, one, two, three. I clicked with one swift movement. I clicked the button and the TV turned on. Light illuminated the room. I whipped my head to see the figure, but it was gone. The feeling of dread and fear subsided with it. Or maybe it was the fact I was running to pure adrenaline and that was the only thing I could feel. At this point, I heard my mom and dog come coming back up the steps. As I, I, I cuss words you not, Jameson's listening. As I cuss words you not, I can remember this as clearly as day. The only reason I know I did not dream this was because as I was sitting up in my mom's bed, she goes, why did you turn the TV on? Mom, there was someone in the hallway. You were probably dreaming. Turn the TV off and we can get some sleep. She said, I had to beg her to keep the TV on at night and from that night on. I slept with my parents until they ended up getting me a TV for my room. <laughs> and from the time I was nine till I was about 17, I slept with the TV on because I never wanted to see that thing again. It wasn't until like 15 to 16 when I learned about the hat man on the internet. But I honestly don't know if I can classify this figure as the hat man since I don't recall it having a hat. So that's the first of two stories. I guess we can discuss the first story. Let's do that. Yes. And I, I, uh, I, I just have something super quick to say because I know y'all are going to just dive right into this. Um, but I think, uh, I think Rebecca, that the thing didn't go away. I think it was below your bed. Well, that's just mean. You're mm -hmm. just awful. Anyways, um, so on a serious note, I don't think it's the Hat Man either. Um, having seen the Hat Man. At least my experience, he didn't have a white face. And yeah, no one has ever s suggested that you could tell the, the complexion. Right. You know, the hat man mm. is generally a shadow, like a, a very, very pronounced shadow with a wide brim hat. Yes. You know, or with a hat. Of some form. That you can, that you can identify him. Yeah. And um, I think it's just some kind of either low energy entity that's kind of just lurking for reactions because a lot of times when you have experiences with low energy beings they're looking to evoke the most intense reaction they can get out of you which is usually fear because we output a lot of fear or a lot of energy when we're scared yes. and so it sounds like it was probably something of that nature um it's interesting because I actually have a fairly similar experience with something not that looked the same, but behaved the same way. Because um, my uh, when I was a kid, like I said, grew up in a haunted house. Y'all know this, but I always was so scared of this weird entity that would show up in my room. It was just gray. It was very gray, and I hated it. It would s stare at me all night, and I was so scared of it. <laughs> and so, interestingly enough, I would always go to my parents' room because that's the safest place in the world is to go sleep in your parents' bed Christ. because demons can't get you. It's scientifically proven. Demons <laughs> cannot get you if you're in your parents' bed. <laughs> um, but what's interesting, and why I say I kind of connect this, is my parents have always slept with their TV on. My mom needs it to, like, fall asleep. She needs, like, that kind of, like... White noise. Yeah, white noise. And 
it would always stand at the doorway because they would have their doors open because a friend of mine broke their doors and they never got it fixed. Um, so it would always be open. I would see it there, but it felt like it couldn't come in. And I'm wondering if there's something to do with the TVs, with these low-energy beings that's For messing a, with them. A long, long time, TVs were used as a... Uh, a conveyance for paranormal research, turning them on and off, creating that static discharge that comes from TVs because TVs are receivers. Um, they uh, they also create a white noise. Like if you're on a channel that isn't receiving anything, that that disbursement of of light and of shape and of all those things. People have seen things in the static of TVs, and and they use it much the way that you would use a um, spirit box. You turn the TV on to a channel that isn't receiving, and you just kind of Listen, I mean, I think they touch upon that in poltergeist movies. So, so TVs and ghosts, lots of stories that, that go with that. But I think what's interesting, too, is there is, I think, a subclassification of entity that we don't generally talk about a lot, but um, I tend to call them threshold entities, entities that are stuck on one side of the door. Um, and they, are, they fall into a class that I call watchers. There are a lot of ghosts that seem their, their primary goal is to just observe, just to watch. And it creates a very uneasy sensation to be watched. Mm -hmm. uh, Hatman actually falls into that because mm -hmm. a lot of times Hatman does not interact. He's simply present and you sense that he is watching you. He's looking at you. And to have anything just sitting in a room staring at you, very peculiar, but it's a pretty ancient thing. We actually had... a a whole um, uh, idea of angels, guardian angels, whose only position is to watch you, is to, right. is to watch over you. And when you really think of that, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, there's an entity that watches me every second of the day. I don't know how I feel about Santa Claus. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I want something watching me all the time. Um, but there is that fascination, which is when you catch sight of one of these things, you catch sight of something that is just standing on the threshold looking at you. The dread that builds and builds and builds comes from this notion that at any moment it will stop watching and mm -hmm. start doing. <laughs> right, right. And that's, and I think that's exactly the reason why it's so unnerving is because you're like, why are you doing this? Right. What, you know? what do you get from just watching me? Yeah. Are you feeding off of me? Are you, you know, getting weird, you know, uh, voyeuristic, like watching someone's life? Because uh, you watch a person's life and it's like, am I vicariously living the life of the person I'm watching? Um, is that parasitic? Are they now attached to you, hoping that all your triumphs will be their triumphs? And, you know, it, 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 it raises a lot of questions. Yeah, it does. Madison, I have a question for you. You said that it was low energy, but how could it be low energy if it's blocking a nightlight? Like if it's that solid? I mean, that's getting into the realm of like why certain entities look the way they do. And I feel like it's less to do with their energy levels and just more how they present. Because I find that the entities are, are like mostly one solid color or just like two solid colors or mm -hmm. something. It doesn't take as much energy as it would be to, you know, necessarily like show like facial features and things like that, which would take more because you got to... Okay 
actively, they have to actively be like, I have this shaped nose, I have this shaped no. eyes, I look like this, I'm blonde haired or whatever. And okay. yeah, it's probably worth noting that low energy does not necessarily suggest um, that they're incapable of, of action. Uh, a lot of times what a low energy en- uh, entity is, is an entity with a singular purpose, thereby negating all other needs. Okay. You know, does not need any other thing than the one thing it's after, and that lowers its overall um, communicability. Okay. So it becomes less and less like a like a person who can converse, sure. or you sure. know, because it becomes singular in what it's trying to achieve. And the more singular it is, the less energy it needs because it only wants the one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if all it wants is to pick your nose, sure. It will not waste any time talking to you, any time, you know, yeah. trying right. to, but that doesn't mean when it gets its finger in your nose, you're not going, whoa, 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 hey, <laughs> out of my nose. So uh, it's worth noting that low energy does not mean incapable of action. It okay. just means that where they spend their energy sure. is more singular than it is, you know, uh, intelligent or is, is, is a back and forth. They don't want a back and forth. They're yeah. like, eh, you know, I'm not giving you nothing, but you're going to give me what I want. I see. Um, which is why they're dangerous, because to say low energy makes it sound like they're not dangerous or that, they're, that, 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 that they can't affect anything. They can. They're just not interested in what you have to do. <laughs> you know, they're just not all that interested in the wide, you know, uh, breadth of, of existence, which is why they can lose their shape. That's mm-hmm. why they don't, they don't feel the need to present, like, you know, sure. a familiar face. Um, and that gives you all those other things. Like when you start talking about demons, sometimes they, demons go way out of their way to either look like something very nice that you want to be around mm-hmm. or something very horrifying that you don't want to be around. Sure. And, and, you know, it, it's the difference between an accountant and a theater person. You know, the accountant is doing his accounting. The theater person will put on the whole, you know, <laughs> rig yeah. around, yeah. hang the lights, right. you know, put all the makeup on, and the sparkle, the and ta-da. And the, yeah. uh, sure. But that doesn't mean that an, if an accountant was standing in your room in the middle of the night, you wouldn't be freaked out by it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right. all right. Story number two. Here we go. This happened back in 2018 when I worked at the Lazy Boy by my house. At this point, I had been working here for well over a year and had a few odd experiences, but, uh, but thing at those times just rode off. Um, but things at those times just rode off. One night, my manager and I were the only two on the schedule, and the day, and the day had been very slow. We only had a few hours left, and we were not expecting any more people to walk in, so we just started chatting. My manager knew I had a large interest in the paranormal, so she and I started swapping stories. I told her my hat man one, and she told me her, how, uh, her house stories. As we were laughing and joking, I had asked her, have you ever noticed weird things here in the store? Her eyes grew huge and were like, yes, all the time. She had explained to me that when she opens in the morning, the cabinets in the kitchen sometimes were open or the restroom light would be on. She knows for a fact this couldn't be someone else uh, to blame for a sloppy closing because she was the one who would close the night before and it's in the routine to turn restroom uh, lights off and make sure the store is clean for the next morning. 
She also recounted the one morning where she uh, had to call our GM to ask her uh, to ask if there was any work being done on the roof because it sounded like someone was walking on the roof. The answer she got was no. I had told her that one time when I was closing and cleaning up the showroom, I heard a sound like a ton of price tags had fallen off wall decor. So I ran to go grab them. But when I got there, nothing was out of place. As I examined the area closer, I realized the sound I must have heard was the plastic leaves of a fake flower hitting each other. Hmm. Bizarre, but I was like, it was uh, bizarre, but I was like, it was just probably the AC or something turning on and blowing the leaves. As we were joking and talking, I informed her about the store's location. Believe it or not, our store is on a hill, and behind the hill is a hotel and an old 1800 cemetery mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and a creek that runs right under the store itself. That's a pretty cool store. Um, and down the rest of the hill. So... I was telling her how there are theories that running water amps up spirit activity and who knows one of the, uh, the ghosts at the cemetery could be chilling here at, at the local lazy boy relaxing on one of them recliners. That's what I was <laughs> literally thinking. I was like, ah, yes, the haunted recliner. The reclining Ooh. ghost. <laughs> at this point, a couple came in and my manager went to assist them. These people were in the store for about 20 minutes, and from where I am standing, I have a full view of my manager and these two people. Also, to lay out the store plan in more detail from where I was standing, the sales floor is in the front. Uh, There is a back area with desks and a warehouse. So, if I was standing there, I was at the desk looking out onto the sales floor. To my right, down a short hall, is the entrance to the warehouse. As my manager was talking to these people and trying to sell them a chair, our back warehouse doorbell went off. This only goes off when our loud 12 by 12 garage door opens. And it only goes off once. However, these times it dings again and again and again. A constant uh, dinging started. I'm at this point staring down the hallway to close the doors to the warehouse. And then I hear my manager come back to the desk and go, um, that's the garage door. I'm like, yes, I'm aware that's a garage door. At this point, too, my manager was letting the people in the store talk to themselves about the chair. So we were both able to make our way to the warehouse to see what TF was going on. Um... As soon as we opened the double uh, store doors into the warehouse, the dinging of the doorbell stopped. My manager checked the garage door and it was locked and secured so nothing could have opened it to trigger the alarm. Weird. So, no, we both are kind of sketched, but, you know, this type of stuff happens. When we go out, we leave the double doors uh, uh, open in a sense that they were closed so you can't see in. Um... Oh, open in a sense that they were closed so you can't see in, but you can shove them open. Uh, sorry, um, but you can shove them to open up without having to use the door handle. My manager ends up selling one of those chairs off the floor and gets the people out. Since I'm not a fancy manager, I was the one who had to grab the dolly and that was uh, that was out and take the sold chair back to the warehouse to live until these people came by another day to pick it up. 
I loaded the chair on the dolly and started wheeling it back down the short hallway and to the half-open doors of the warehouse. And as I'm pushing through the doors, a high-pitched scream, what I can only describe and multiple... Um, what I can only describe in multiple girls screaming at the top of their lungs just erupted from the warehouse right at the doors into the store where I was respectively, um, respectively in the moment I was, I didn't quite comprehend what was going on and thought I was losing my mind until I turned around to my manager standing at the back desk. white as a ghost with fear across her face? And that's when a freaking Scooby-Doo moment both screamed at the top of our lungs and hauled butt across the showroom and to the front door. It wasn't until my manager reached the front door when she went, we just can't leave. That was probably just the AC turning on. At this point, we were, <laughs> we were both nervous laughing, and we get back to work. We were completely still freaked out about the whole thing that just happened. So even though it was mainly my job, we picked up the store together, made sure the sold chair was in the warehouse ready to go while together. We didn't leave each other's side that entire rest of the night, which was like for another 30 minutes. It wasn't until a few days later when I was closing with her again did she say, can I be honest, I've worked here for a long time and never heard the AC make that sound. And I'm like, I agree. After this event, weird things started to happen, one of which was uh, something kept activating our fire alarm system. Every night around 11 p.m. for a month, the fire alarm system would set, and the fire department would have to come out in their engine and check the store for fires. It got to the point where my GM had two fire marshals come out to check the system. The alarm company came out, an electrician came out, all of these professionals came out. They uh, could not figure out what was wrong with the system. This was only the, uh, this was also the same time where the pressure of work in college got too much for me and I had to quit. And I can never forget my manager telling me that week when I was, uh, when I quit, was the first week in a month the fire alarm system didn't go off that night. Um, didn't go off at night. I honestly think that whatever the spirit was, was not good and attached itself to me for a while. This was also the time I had to help, uh, I had to get help for depression and other things. This was also the very last paranormal experience I had to date. Thank you, Becca. Wow. That is the most haunted lazy boy in all of America. So, it's Although we should point out that retail stores are amazingly haunted. There are countless accounts of retail stores being incredible. I, I, for a long time, there was like a Toys R Us that was famously haunted here in That's Savannah. That's the worst place to be haunted. Here in Savannah, there was a Kmart that was supposedly super haunted, um, which is now the Home Depot. Um, over on Victory, um, you know, um, yeah, and it's it's what's fascinating is when you think of these these big like industrial places that don't seem to have any warmth or any life to them. Uh, it, that does not negate the chances of there being a ghost. However, having said that, I wonder if the ghost wasn't attached to you going into the place. Yeah, I I thought the same thing when she said that she had like after she had left, all the things stopped kind of happening. Mm -hmm. I'm like. That, yeah. sounds, that sounds about right. So, and, and it was probably getting more and more strength from the more and more that you were able to identify and, and 
experience it. You know, it is definitely ghosts are a strange phenomenon because once you have an, a, a, enough of an encounter, the door is open in your brain, and and those encounters can come again and again and again. Um, and even more intriguingly is you might have gone into that store with a ghost and it found a home. When you left, it didn't need anything more. It, it may have stayed there. The reason why you're not seeing it anymore is because it attached to the building. But, I mean, that, that, is, that is a very good possibility, especially given the story of the white faceless yeah. entity right. that you saw when you were young. It could have been that entity. That entity could have been following you around, looking for a place that had the right combination of energy. And Cemetery nearby, yes. water you know, flowing under. Flowing water is a big part of a lot of supernatural beliefs. You know, if you are above flowing water, you have the, the, the drumming of spiritual energy is very high, so much so oh, yeah. that old cultures used to pray to the gods of flowing water mm-hmm. not to kill them. And when they built bridges over them, you know, there was a lot going on that you can kind of suggest um, the lazy boy was, was, was positioned in such a perfect place to, to be like a lightning rod for supernatural occurrence. And it gave it a comfortable place to rest. And in it's between. like kicking its feet up. Like, yes. oh, yeah. And it's like, I got the river, I got the <laughs> cemetery, and I got this here recliner, and that's all I need. <laughs> why is it a hillbilly? <laughs> why, I don't know. Why is it a hillbilly ghost? <laughs> I don't know, but that's just what came to my mind, personally. <laughs> I'm just picturing the white faceless ghost with this thick accent, you know. He's like, I'm going to smoke me a cigar, kick my feet up, and let the river flow. <laughs> yeah, in my head, I, I, I had a totally different voice. I, I think I thought he was British. Yeah. Hey, here we are. Every yeah, ghost is British. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, good show. That's so funny. All right, moving on. Here we go. This one is titled My Sleep Paralysis Story. Oh, Ooh. no. Oh, yeah. All right. Hello, my name is Gerard. It's okay if you mispronounce it, LOL. I'm a fan of the show. You guys showed up on my For You page a while ago on TikTok. I love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Gerard. So about my sleep paralysis story, I remember one night sleeping at my mom's house on the second floor one winter night. It had to be like around two or three o'clock in the morning. Anyway, I always sleep with the door locked. It's just a thing that I do for my anxiety. The door must be locked. The house isn't haunted or anything, but that's just how I am. So as I was about to go into the REM stage of my sleep, the door opened like a like a jar of the way. I remember this sort of black mass coming into the room. First, it was like a mist. Then it took form in a matter of seconds. It had a human shape, but not fully based off of its features. But I knew that it was trying to become human. It slowly crawled to me with one face. Then it changed its face again and again until it got right up to my face and changed into my sister's face. I was able to break free from the paralysis by clutching my fist. When I fully awakened, I looked at the door and it was still closed and locked. 
might I add that I do have a sense for when uh, things feel off or weird around me. At times I can feel people's energy or at times if I'm in a certain section of the house or building that feels off, I won't even bother to walk in that direction unless I tell myself it's okay. It's just a long, dark hallway. I have many stories like this and dreams also. Much love. You got a hag on you. Yeah. We actually just talked about the the effort to look like things mm-hmm. and 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 what can willfully change its appearance because that's a there, there's there's a big difference between something that is using your perception to form its form mm-hmm. that is not something that it's necessarily voluntarily doing you are a- applying your living psychic energy to a mass and it becomes what it is when you say that it was changing its form when it's changing its shape that sounds like uh, it was looking for a form mm-hmm. that you would find acceptable, that you would not, um, that you wouldn't fight, I guess, sure. because it, it came, it, because it landed on family. And that is, mm. that is uh, in classic storytelling. I mean, again, uh, uh, if you wanted to pull from the Fae, uh, from the concept of, of glamour, the true glamour, which is um, to, to make a person believe they're seeing something that they're not. Uh, which was the term of glamour, and it was the magic of the Fae to, you know, glam your eyes to make you so that you couldn't tell the threat that was coming. That sounds like an entity that that could have that could have been out for damage. Um, whenever you hear that, because also starting in a mist form and turning into a solid form, not normal of uh, of of the mist that you usually encounter in in, in supernatural uh, instances. Sure. The mist that you usually encounter in those instances are just energy that had been dissipated to the point at which right. it has no form. Mist usually can't reconfigure itself back because it had it had diminished so much that it has no consciousness. It doesn't exist. You know, like when you when you come across when you're on a ghost hunt and you see a mist or what seems almost like a, a, an unnatural fog, you're usually just dealing with the fact that oh, this place is charged. Yeah. Paranormally. Uh, but this mist generally, and sometimes it'll swirl, change patterns, mm-hmm. and do all this stuff. But um, if it's if it's reforming, <laughs> if it's reconstituting itself, then you're dealing with something that's a bit of a shapeshifter that has the ability to shape. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. you: Is this like textbook hag or hags or? are a whole different beast? So it's in not their a own. hags are physical. Yeah, people people mistake the. Uh, the magical properties of a hag as to making it highly spiritual. But a hag is actually a physical entity. Like a goblin or like a, it's, really? It, like it leans it comes more in? into the succubus realm of things just without the sexual nature of it. It's, Depending on who you ask. That's very true. But you know? it is. It's, uh, the idea is that it is, a, it is a classification of creature that has magic abilities versus a spirit that is infiltrating Okay. Uh, because, like, for instance, the classic hag story, when the hag looks like someone you love, they're physically wearing skin that oh. they have to peel out of. Really? And so in a lot really? of hag stories, people will wake up to see the skin yeah. of their loved one in a pile in the room. Because Did it kill them? So in many cases, it's their disguise. Yeah. They, they, they showed up from the beginning, but a lot of people say they fashion... A, a skin suit oh. to look like it. And, um, and a lot of people think that one of the... the uh, this also goes into, because there are old stories all around the world of this, 
this type of shapeshifter, which is a, a creature that wears the skin, if you take the skin and throw it in the fireplace, <laughs> you can rid yourself of the hag. Uh-huh. Um, but in some instances, it's a backfire. If you do that, then the hag will kill you instantly. <laughs> it, won't, yeah. it won't bother to feed on you. It'll just kill you and then take your skin and, and, and go around looking like you. The hag also um, has, a, it uses that as mostly like a tactic to show dominance, truly. Um, because there have also been people who have said that they hang it on your front door to say like they've claimed you. Oh yeah, sure. Because <laughs> the, what the, the hag kind of is believed is that it's somebody, it could, is, can be generational. It's also somebody in your community usually. So not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a family member, but it could mm-hmm. be just somebody like, oh, I know her. I've seen her at Publix or whatever, you know. Sure. And um, she shows up. Because usually most people have said that they watch them peel the skin off yeah. and then oh. they come out of it. Okay. This sounds more like a non-human entity that's looking to you know, do whatever its bidding is. Sure. Versus... Especially moving in an inky yeah. mist. The inky mist kind of gives it away. Well, mist. you know, anytime something is trying to figure out what looks the most human, that's like a dead ringer of something that was never human to begin with. That's why a lot of times when you see... Um, like imagery of demons who are portraying themselves as humans or things like that. There's usually something off. Yeah. You know, like the classic is the one uh, cloven uh, foot, you know, uh, the uh, the demon of the highest order can look very human, but the reserve, you look down at the foot and see Mm -hmm. if one of the feet isn't like clubbed or, you know, in in some way cloven because they can't get it completely right. It's, it's the plat eye is, is an yeah. example of mm-hmm. that because yeah. uh, in the low country, there's a, a creature called the plat eye, which attempts to look human, but doesn't get it quite right. And the most common not right is one eye instead of two. And sometimes it's two mouths instead of one. And sometimes mm. it's like this. And um, one of the worst, and this, and I'll send out an apology to anyone who has a hair lip, but a hair lip was oftentimes in many cultures a, de- a designation of, oh, this creature didn't get it right. You know, oh. they couldn't get, like, this, they got so close to being a human. So a plat eye oh. that had gotten so close, and the only thing is the, the lip. Uh-huh. Um, and what's interesting is that's, that's true of vampiric lore. Vampires, supposedly, hair lip, you know, and, and these, these, like, you're, you're so good at looking human, but you just have this one thing, one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, isn't, that isn't the same as everyone else. That's interesting. Um, which is, you know, just gross prejudice on the part of, right. you know, generations and generations of people who, who are just really bullies. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, like, a lot of folklore comes into realms of prejudice and right, things sure. like that. That's a whole different topic of, that we could probably break down and this podcast maybe a parajunkie episode but yeah yeah it's um but it should just send alarms in your head of like yeah that's definitely not something that is ever been human nor yeah, the fact that you said that be. you saw face after face right uh, that, sure. that's like sent, a rolodeck of faces right. you know that sends up a lot of things uh, um i'm reminded of uh it's weird it's uh the the cartoon uh avatar the last airbender um there was a beast in there uh, called the Eater of Faces. And it basically, if you reacted with any emotion, it ate your face. Um, But then it had your face to use. So like it would appear with the face of someone you loved. And it's like, 
that is that is that is pulled straight from so many cultural sure. folklores. The the wolf in sheep's clothing, the the concept that that evil will try to take this pleasing form and it'll try to get as close to you as possible. So even the hag stories are oftentimes uh, your loved one, your husband, your wife mm-hmm. is is a hag. Mm-hmm. Um, is this this is this entity that is disguising itself as what you love in order to get close enough to you to feed off of your life or to kill you. So, yeah. Or even that with succubuses, like we, um, in a couple episodes ago where somebody had sent in their succubus story, it took form as his high school crush or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they do that to get to you because it'll make you less uncomfortable. But in theory, I'm like, you know, that would make me more uncomfortable to be like, you just randomly appeared in my room and this is a... But of course, that's also, they're not masters of human psyche. That is true. You know, you, you think of them more like insects. Yeah. You know, they are, they are, I am going to look like a leaf and you won't eat me. And so it's, it's like, like looking you at like you like, this. what do you yeah. like? You like yeah. this? No, you, you like, like this. So yeah. what about this? Can I kiss you now? It's like, no, you can't kiss me now. <laughs> it's like AI. It's like, it just yeah, it's, barely it's just, just a little off. It's yeah. like, why are there 10 <laughs> fingers on your face? I was like, no reason. No reason. Hold That's my like... hand. No, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so really, um, you know, uh, succubus type creatures are just the original AI generators. Right. <laughs> um, almost human. Almost human. That'll be the, the title of this episode. Almost human. All right. So we have our third story from Alexandra Machado. And uh, this is called uh, Cryptic Crypt Experience. Ooh. That is, I don't know, right? I like I'd, I'd buy tickets yeah. to that. Cryptic Welcome crypt. to the Cryptic Crypt. Cryptic crypt. Could be a cryptid crypt. Hey, Madison, Chris, and JT. I'm Alexandra, a.k.a. Lola Burns on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay, there you Uh, go. We we know Lola. Yeah, we do know Lola. And y'all are my favorite podcast on Spotify. Thanks. That's 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 great to hear. Love that. Um, I'm listening to the season opener with Enie, and you mentioned Crips. And I want to share a story or experience I used to do with my mom when I was little. If this is disrespectful, I'll understand if you don't read it on the air. Well, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, again, we don't read these beforehand uh, because we want like real reactions from like everybody. Um, you know. All right. My memory sucks as a 38-year-old, so I'm really digging back into my memory bank. My dad was in the army and we were stationed in Germany from 89 to 92 when I was five to eight years old. I was homeschooled and my mother and I used to go on walks and one time we ventured into the cemetery with crypts and we would walk around and they had little slits in the crypts where you could peek inside. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. I think I actually know this cemetery. Oh, really? Yeah. Like is that or, just or it might be- a, a German memory? Well, I was going to say, it, it, it might be uh, normal for all of Germany, but there was uh, a cemetery that we went to in Grafenvier, I think, that, okay. was, that was like, anyway, I'm sorry, didn't no. mean to interrupt. No, 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 it's all good. No <laughs> Send us an update if that is the correct cemetery, though. So, I would be peeking inside as a six-year-old trying to see skulls and bones, naturally. Absolutely. I think my imagination was dreaming up that the bones were from vampires that got in the sun and turned into bones and dust and were placed in the crypt. 
I was and still am obsessed with vampires, but I don't go into cemeteries and peek into crypts. I was just a wildly imaginative kid, and my mom let me pretend. Anyway, thank you so much for this podcast. I'm so happy to be a para-junkie, and I've been to Savannah once last year, and I love that town. I hope to return, not evacuating from a hurricane, and meet y'all and go on a tour. Absolutely, we'd love to have you. Um, Thanks for reading, and if you don't use this because it's disrespectful, I totally understand. Well, we used it. Stay spooky. It's not disrespectful, it's not disrespectful. If, it's, if it's there. I mean, you can look into something. It's different if you're, you know, like actively causing harm to the crypt, but, you know. And, you know, it's interesting because if I'm not mistaken, and I was, I want to say seven or eight years old, we went to a cemetery, and I don't know if it's the same cemetery, but there were cemeteries that had, um, some, some of them had doors that had like slots on them and some of them literally had just almost like windows into them. Uh, and I think that there was a time when false burial was so big, you know, um, where people were, were deemed to be dead, but then later it was a coma of some type and okay. they woke up. And I think that that might have led to the practice of allowing for if, if you wake up in a crypt. Right have a way to <laughs> communicate yeah. that you're alive. Like uh, the bell. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's the like, same Like concept. the dead ringer, like the bell. Um, that concept of, of extending the wake. Yeah. You know, because the wake, uh, the, the, the practice of observing a wake is, for the very reason of the word, um, so often were people pronounced dead, but they weren't dead. And so you let their bodies lie in oftentimes on the dining room table. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, waiting to see if perhaps they were misdiagnosed on as On the dead. dining room table? Yeah. yeah, if yeah you, in people's homes. If you go to the Davenport house, they um, usually have a baby coffin out, and that is why. Um, because, mm-hmm. especially in the Victorian era, it was very common. Right. Um, they actually had these special, um, they kind of look like wicker uh the giant placemats that you would put on your table so you could oh. then put the ca- coffin on top of that without ruining your, your yeah. dining room table. <laughs> yeah, it was like a two-week affair usually if somebody died. That's you wild. Know, because pretty much it, how it would go is like they're pronounced dead and if you died in between like bi-weekly periodicals, somebody had to go out with handwritten right. letters to go notify everybody uh. that you died. So that takes time to begin with. So, um, it's it, just, you guys just like read this stuff. Like, do you, like, how do you learn? I this? was a ghost tour guide. Yes. I still well, I know, am. But, so well, you, you it, gotta know these you guys things. Are just, there also comes a point it. at which, which the questions yeah. arise, you know, uh, what is a wake? Why do you call it a wake? And it's like, oh, literally, literally, there's a chance it might, this dead person might wake up. You know, <laughs> there is a, there is, there is a chance that, uh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yeah. And, and I mean, we, we transferred it to be like a party now, but there was a time when a wake included the body. The body was at the wake. Bruh. You know, now people think of it as, you know, a, a dinner with a toast. <laughs> but, right. yeah, yeah. but it was indeed to allow for that time. And, and, you know, certain cultures, because of where they were, they, they, they would bury very quickly. You had to bury them uh. within a certain amount of time. Uh, and people say, well, that's a spiritual answer. It's like, it's not really a spiritual answer. Um, if you lived in a place with lots of scavengers, you didn't want a dead body out, okay. you know, mm-hmm. because that brings wolves into your, sure, you know, sure. into your right. community. If you've got, you know, flesh 
you yeah. know, hyenas will come out and, and, and ravage, uh, you know, the body. So, uh, so a lot of customs are practical by, mm-hmm. by a lot of measures. Yeah. Okay. So if you go into most of, or a lot of the historic homes in Savannah, if the person who built the house died, more than likely their wake happened in their dead body sat in that area for yeah. a while. Like Isaiah wow. Davenport's uh, wake was like a week long, week and a yeah. half long, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And usually it, it was it was because of all the arrangements that go into it as well, on top of the viewing, on top of the family, on top mm-hmm. of, you know, there was also... We didn't have backhoes back then, so you had to dig a, uh, a a hole by itself. Sometimes you had to lay the foundation for a crypt. Sometimes, you know, there's all kinds of things that went into the business of death. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then of death. also in Savannah, too, um, you had to have uh, pallbearers be able to carry the casket down Oglethorpe Avenue heading towards Colonial Park Cemetery in the Victorian era as well because... There were no carriages allowed on that street. Right, that's right. So you had to have enough people to carry your body, and you had the um, sexton, who was the keeper of the cemetery. He had to march the the procession down to Colonial okay. Park Cemetery. So if he's got like five other people to proceed, you know, you might have to wait for a little bit. Yeah. To, so. You might just have your dead loved one in your living room for a little bit before <laughs> before your parade happens. Oh, boy. But That's crazy. Yeah, there was a lot of rules in the Victorian era yeah. of oh, how yeah. things had to go. Sure. So, you know, because all the, the drapery had to be in place. Oh. Like, you had to have all the people come into town. You had, and think about it, you had horse-drawn carriages at that time mostly. So, that's going to take a few days if people live oh. out in the the uh, country and things like that because most people's homes in savannah were not their main homes they had to come from the plantations okay it's a lot going into it so it's it's obscene yeah if you like victorian funeral stuff (laughs) i (laughs) a victorian funeral story hit me up i i I have an interest in victorian funerals i think they're very fascinating i know you do yeah and you got to get the hair for the locket and things like that you know it's don't uh, forget the dead photography Yes. You want to get pictures with your mm-hmm. dead family members. Oh, yeah. You know. Gracious. Cute, right? All right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, Chris, uh, I guess we can end on the ghost tip of the week. Oh, sure. It's been a while since we've done a, a ghost tip of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, speaking on uh, graveyards, uh, there are a set series of protocols that have been observed for, you know, centuries and centuries about going into graveyards. Um, mostly it is about being idle or showing uh, any form of, um, you know, uh, joy or happiness. Don't whistle in a graveyard. Don't sing in a graveyard. And don't dance in a graveyard. Those are three rules that are generally um, to protect you from getting vengeful spirits to follow you. Uh, Of course, in modern times people are like well i'm just going to do it and and i'll i'll get a ghost and i'll you know uh, get video of a ghost because i'm whistling in a graveyard um it is ultimately just a a sign of respect try to be respectful whenever you visit the dead it it it, it only goes towards building your character also another helpful tip with that um 
the guardians of the cemetery are said to be the headstones that are closest to the entrance of the cemetery. So carry a few coins with you. That'll just typically, you know, overall, whatever denomination of religion they are, coins are usually a safe bet. Leave a couple coins Coins. at the headstone to show that you're being respectful of the guardian. And they'll usually take care of you, so. They'll they'll make sure nothing follows you out. Right. (laughs) So. Ghost tip. Ghost tip. Woo. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys again for listening to this episode. Uh, if you want to send us your ghost stories, hit us up on ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. Uh, also, make sure to follow us on social media at Haunted City Podcast on all of the platforms. And if you haven't become a pair of junkie, you can find us over on Patreon. So you can join in on all the fun that we are having over there. Uh, but with that... My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>